I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's Carrie. And Lara. And this is. And we. Should well, we do a little cold open? Yeah, I want to give need, him a little, a little something. Some radical something. honesty about what has been happening. <laughs> so we recorded our this episode yesterday. Like we're doing a new ep- like recording because we recorded an entire episode of Salty Utah Queens. Like laughing Friday evening, like spirits were high, and then I we both hung up and like went about our nights and then around 10 p.m laura texted me and was like hey did you um did you hit record on our episode like on your side of the episode <laughs> and i was like yeah and she's like okay because the 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 mp3 you sent me is completely blank <laughs> and then i <laughs> went in and realized straight that line of I no audio i like tr- i like didn't record i not only was speaking to no one i was like I was like post nothing. <laughs> I I did an almost two hours of not recording. I was just talking to Laura for two, which is Carrie, fine with me. But it was like you embarked on like an art statement mm-hmm. that was to not record a record. It, like it was, it was. It's radical. An artist. It's enter the void. Radical art. Yeah, we. Being like, I, you know everything you need to know. Like, you'll remember. It what truly made me think. I was like, it was the kind of art that it's like, you don't need a recording because you were in the moment. So your memory will serve as the recording. Right. And my silence serves as your reflection mm-hmm. on the memory of our recording and yeah. what we were able to accomplish together. And you have your side, but you'll never know me. You'll never no. know my side. You'll never know my side. And and 
we Laura threw out the option of maybe we should just release it and just of just my side talking to you like in like Laura is speaking into the void and I'm there. You were channeling mm-hmm. through this like it it was like Ouija board. It was Ouija board and I thought like it could really change the game of podcasting like it could we would disrupt yeah. pod, podcasting would as podcasting is known. Yeah. Because Think about listening to a podcast where it's just one person talking to nothing <laughs> and then just like reacting. Like, I feel like that's, that's like the next wave. Maybe of we'll just release podcasting. it as like a B side one day. Just Laura <laughs> literally talking to no one. It wasn't even me. Like, it was beyond me just wow. not recording. It was me. Like, it was like that space beyond nothing. That's where I was. It was because it was a recording, but it wasn't a recording of even silence. It was just nothing. <laughs> like it, there was no sound involved. No. Yet there was still. I don't even. I still don't know how it happened. I will leave you, the artist. Like I won't um, make you reveal your trade I, secrets. <laughs> I think it. I hit record, but it something wasn't plugged in, so I was not picking up my mic. So I literally. I saw the red and was like, well, I guess it's, I should have known something was wrong when I didn't see like the, you know, heart monitor, like Richter scale, like sound picking up thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's, it's red. It must be recording. Something is out there. Something's out I there. I trust I'm, it. I'm pretty green when it comes to all this. I love it. So we're navigate like, basically I'm on the hunt for an editor so if any of you out there feel like you have what it takes, the comedy editing chops to really elevate the pod, get in touch, sexyuniquepodcast at gmail.com. But so making moves towards that, I'm like, we both have to have autonomy over our own recordings yeah, and like elevate this shit. So it's been a little bit, and I have very basic knowledge, but you're I'm pretty, learning that you're pretty... I'm learning about Carrie's knowledge uh, and his artistic Honestly, and it's really a, it's a reckoning between his artistic tendencies mm-hmm. and his knowledge. So we're merging them. And ultimately, it's I, all good. It's all good. I'm admittedly, like, not very savvy about technology. I honestly think, like, my mom knows more about technology than I do. That's cool for her. My mom will, like, help me when I have something, like, on phones. Like, my mom will, like, guide me through stuff sometimes, which I'm like, Wow. My mom like could have wow. been like a tech queen. She is your own personal genius bar. She is. My mom Dorothy's genius bar. My mom one time <laughs> my mom talk seeing my mom talk to an Apple genius is pretty fun. <laughs> she doesn't get like she doesn't like freak but like she just gets she's very like real with them and she's like, No, I don't I don't know what that means. My mom goes, I didn't go mm-hmm. to Jeet Apple school. My mom just says that. <laughs> one time we were i filmed it one time we were driving home i didn't it's some it's on my old phone it's probably lost but my mom was just like i don't know why they talk to me she's like no i'm sorry i didn't go to computer school like she went on this whole like monologue about like i'm sorry i didn't go to computer school she had a rant you basically did comedians in cars getting coffee yes it was o'donnell's and cars getting apple driving home from the mall yeah Yeah. hi tony (laughs) um 
yeah, my mom and I have been FaceTiming throughout uh, COVID. Yeah, but really ramped. We really started our FaceTime relationship during COVID, but she will sometimes just turn the camera around and it's like focused on like a blanket or something for like (laughs) 20 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, my mom isn't good at my mom. That's she's not she doesn't always get FaceTime, which I think that's FaceTime's hard. Some Apple interfaces are very difficult, like GarageBand, what we're dealing with. <sighs> forget it. Forget it. For fucking get it. Um, um, I love, I love anyways, filming a chair while she's talking to you about life. Like it'll be like a blanket's kind of mushed up, and so it's just like a blur on the screen. <laughs> or she'll turn it to show me her cat, and then the cat will walk away, and then I'll just stare at the coffee table <laughs> for, like, an hour. <laughs> hey. Hey, avant-garde. It's avant-garde. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, I'm Carrie. I'm Lara. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Apple Sexy Genius. <laughs> Apple Genius Stories. Sexy, sexy, unique podcast. unique podcast. Salty Utah Queens. Salty Utah Queens. This is like we're recreating yesterday, but hopefully it'll be better. I think it'll be better. It only it can only improve. It can only improve. Um, <laughs> from truly nothing. <laughs> from truly nothing to something yeah. will be an improvement. It will. Um, I've found myself in the throat. Like this is a something I never foresaw myself being into, mm-hmm. but I have a real fetish for financial dramas. Okay. Like, Are you watching industry? I'm watching industry. I love it. I, I have no idea yet. what they're saying most of the time about stocks and like graphs. And I'm Are they British? But I just eat it up. Some are British, some are American. It takes place in the UK. I know it's Lena like Dunham a bunch directed of the premise is a Yeah, she directed the pilot. Um but the the premise is a bunch of interns have just been hired at this like high stakes like top tier financial firm in the uk and so it's following them over the course of their like internship to see who gets then hired as like a full-time employee so they're basically like the underlings in this like toxic horrific culture but mm. like the cult where they can just make millions in a moment like talking mm. about trades but i truly don't know anything so my desire for just like stock market drama has now led me into the arms of billions on Showtime. Oh. And now I'm a full blown billions head. I'm like halfway through season one. Right. I also have, I really don't know what's going on. Right. A lot of the time, but I'm feel like I'm learning so much about yeah. stocks. I know. Isn't like Malin Ackerman and Damien. Lewis in that my queen yeah my queen Malin Ackerman Damian Lewis from Homeland fucking Homeland and Paul Giamatti Damian Lewis is hot Damian Lewis is hot 
um, in like a ghostly they way. Show his, they show his butt sometimes. So what is it? Is it? Is it take place in the eighties? No, it takes place in New York, current day, or like within the last like five years because the show's been on for like five seasons, right? And billions, it billions, and Damien Hirst plays like Bobby Axelrod. He's a. Damien Hurst. Damien Hurst. It's a wild because Damien Hurst is the star of the show. Damien Lewis plays Bobby Axelrod and he is the, he's like a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. He's a billionaire with his own financial firm that does trade, like trades the stock market. I don't really know. It could be a hedge fund, like private equity. TBD. But he's like a billionaire with his own like office building that's all glass and right. then paul giamatti is like the u.s the new york uh, state attorney district attorney and yeah like the district attorney and so he is trying to like fucking come after damian lewis's character bobby and like arrest him for insider trading mm. and so he but he's also like he's no He's not a totally like clean guy. Like he has some conflicts of interest himself, mm. but it's kind of this cat and mouse game that plays out. And then there's just like lots of sex and like quippy, like there's like drug moments and it's like a billionaire lifestyle, but then high yeah. stakes trading of stocks, leverage your stocks and lend them to me and I'll trade them. And it's, I truly, I'm like, whoa, I can't even conceive of being in this world. Like, this is such a left turn into oblivion from where I find myself in my life. So Listen, it kind of is like, I can LARP as like, I'm like, what would my life have looked like if I had cared about math? Maybe cold, this. Cold math. True math and like statistics and just like spec. Like, I feel like I could be like a stock market bitch just based on like gut feelings and speculations and like, yeah. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah, you have to be, there is you have a lot to be, of like, predictive. Yeah, and I feel like I am kind of psychic. So now I'm like, I need to get into stocks. I need to create my own financial drama. Yeah, get, I'm into, like, your, I have, get into a portfolio. Like, what do you? What can I buy for thirty dollars? Yeah, I <laughs> I feel like it was. Um, it seemed like Succession sort of usurped it. Because it feels totally. like it feels like a like a spiritual relative of succession, and I I think there's bad timing, but it looks interesting. The billboards in L.A. always made me laugh because it's just all these people being like, like yeah, it's insane. Feet. It's one of those billboards where they don't know what to do, so they just like put like every lead actor in it, and they're just standing together. Like it's like, what is the show about? We don't know. Billions is just like. Those kind of shows like Billy and Succession, it's imagining that world is just challenging for me because I'm so mathematically challenged and I, I see cold math, I see hell and I see, um, it's like devil's, it's, it's like the devil's tool. Like it is the devil's tool. Like the being numbers. able to, to make that quick of money is like genie shit. It's like yeah, you're like ma- you're magic being like, with a K. Magic. You're fully sex magic. Yeah. When you 
are able to even people that do like fast math where they can be like, Oh, 84 times 70 is like, who knows? And then they can just <laughs> 50. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not even trying. Yeah. Where they can even like subtracting. Oh, that's the devil's magic. Uh, the only thing I can do is I know the multiplication table me too. up to 12 times 12. And <laughs> I'm like, do I even know that? <laughs> I know most What's of it. What's 12 times I'd 12? Su- Four? 144. 144. Four? No, like I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm like two times two is four. So I was like, okay. Love. What's 12 times 12? Four? Yes, four. Um, percent. They should throw us in the stock market mm. in the ring just to see what we do. Yeah. We could majorly like disrupt. What well, if we were, we savant, were, I was like telling stock you, market savant. I was telling you recently, <laughs> like the, like when I took tests and stuff, like I was so bad at math, like, but there would be moments where I would get Fs. Fs were flying at me like, you know, shrapnel. Like, it was just coming at me. And there was one time... There were a few times where I took, like, a math test, like, especially in high school, where I would be, like, just breezing through the work. Like, doing, you know, the, the declension... Or not declension. Declining. Declension. Is, that's Latin. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> divisions... <laughs> Like all this, the little bot, like long every division, long division, like and just long being division. like coming up with these equations, just being like, whoa! Like I was like, <laughs> suddenly felt like I was struck by the lightning bolt of God, and just being like, oh my god, this is my moment of like divination where I become a math person and I'm being blessed, and like it's been so long coming, but finally I get math fully, and I would yeah. just be like, oh, this is amazing. It's not like the doesn't seem like stuff i remember f- from studying last night but like or with my tutor but this feels right and then i but it get, all makes sense makes in sense. that moment and you're then just i get like, the test oh back God. and i got like a 37 mm-hmm. i would get like i would actually get like 35 percent on like tests same all the time from a young from a very young age like i and i took that as a sign like let's not focus on this like let's actually just switch focus into something else because like it's just not meant to be if i'm getting like a 30 i'm like it's done we're torched math is torched and like let's just focus on english words yeah reading writing the things that i'm the things that i'm actually excelling at which i was in like the 99th percentile Me too. of like i was all that shit here's the thing you're so right it was like i was but i didn't get to that realization till college really that like writing even though i was like i would be so it was it became all about math because it was like that's going to prevent me from getting into a good college so like it just became all about math even though along the way starting in eighth grade or sixth grade, really, like my teachers would would say, yes, he has a lot of challenges in math, but he's really good at writing. And like, I think he's going to be and and my parents and me, we'd be like, no, it must be about math. And it was like, (laughs) I tried so hard to be good at math. It was very much like me trying to like be straight. Like I was just trying (laughs) to fit it. it. I was like, this has to like, it will work. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I know in my heart that like something is not right here, but it will work. And I just could not do it and I couldn't much like I could not do math and I just could not like, and I tried so hard even in high school. Like I was reading like, especially like when I was towards the end of high school, like I had this one English teacher who was amazing and like got me into like James Joyce and like all the fucking, and I, and I was like so into like Dubliners and like, 
having like my dead poet society moment, but still being like, I have to be good at math. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck was I, what was, what took me so long? You were ahead of the curve. Being ex- Well, I tried to tell everyone in my life, like it wasn't going to happen. And like truly was just like, it can't, like it cannot be. It will not but that be. That didn't stop. That didn't stop literally everyone, parents, teachers. Me too. Teachers, from being like, from being like, you will do math. You will and be good you at will math. Try, and I was like, no. it's not gonna fucking happen. And it made me hate math even more. Me too. And now at age thirty six, I'm finally like, math like, could be kind of cool. Like I could learn a thing well, or two. Like, well, I think you're good. At, I'm you're good at finances. Well, that's taken a lot of. Well, like, no, but I think I think you've reached a place where like you get lingo and like you understand. I'm understanding stuff. more and I'm open. I'm more open to it now and have like a creative, like, cause I see the, I see the seduction of math and numbers and I'm open to it. But when I was younger, I was just like, fuck the fuck off. Like, stop making me do this shit. It really doesn't matter. Like, see, I didn't, I wish I'll I, never I, learn. I wish I'd, I was just fully like, traumatized and i think i was just like i was addicted to the to the drama and pain of math and i like was addicted to math like, was your failing. dark mistress it was and i and i <laughs> and i wanted so like i i wanted it to work and i wanted it to i wanted to be like i didn't even want to be good at math i just wanted to be passable and i wanted to like be like just like everyone else like average with math like we're enough where i could like go i could cruise through but no, I was, I've got like, this is how bad I am at math. So my junior year, there was uh, a cheating scandal at my school where a bunch of kids in my, I was in like the remedial math class, like just the normal one. And I was really struggling in that class. And mm-hmm. a bunch of some kids bought like they somehow got a hand of the midterm and all these kids, wow. I, someone broke into like the math department and um, stole a copy of the midterm and they were like selling it for 20 a, a pop and a, a bunch of kids bought it and were studying using it to study and i didn't know about it one and then i like, i <laughs> i saw that people were like before the test like i was like oh my god this is gonna be so hard and then i saw someone was studying it and i was like hey what is that and he's like oh it's the test and i was like oh can i like look at that really like and right when i was about to look at it like the bell went off and we went in and i was like fuck and i, <laughs> I love your it's mi- one minute before yeah. the class huh. where you're like let me just look at that and yeah. i think that was my approach to math too which i was like oh i have five minutes and the test is about <laughs> to start like let me just see if i can like cram all this yeah. math knowledge into my brain so, and then and then <laughs> the kid like everyone got all the everyone got caught basically Cause it was like a, mm-hmm. the, or, and I remember our teacher was like, "Guys, I'm a math teacher. Like, I'm gonna know if there's a discrepancy in like, you know, patterns." Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, fuck, and, I forgot about that. <laughs> and I failed the midterm, and he gave me a D because he felt because he knew I clearly couldn't have cheated, so he gave me a D <laughs> to pass me because he felt bad. That's how bad I was. Yeah, I was also, I was pretty much at that level as well. Like in my junior year of high school or senior year, like I was at bo- my therapeutic boarding school and my math teacher, Brad, was like, Brad. Brad, he, cause we called all our teachers by their first names and 
I was in pre-calc and I was just like, Brad, like it's never going to happen. Like I wish that I could give you like the math student that you deserve, but truly it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Done. Like it won't happen. And then Brad tried with me a little bit and then he was like, you're failing. Like, you have an F in this class. And I was like, Brad, please don't do this to me. Like, look, look where we are right now. And look what, look all around us. Look what's happening. Like, I can't, I can't fail this class. Like, can you please just give me like a C, please? And he was like, okay. <laughs> I did that. Okay. Yeah. My senior year, I took this class called, um, symbolic logic. And I thought my spring semester senior year, I was abroad and senior in the fall of senior year. Mm-hmm. And I did it over email to my advisor. And I was like, oh, that sounds like philosophy. Just put that down. Yeah, I'm like Symbols. emojis. Sim- yeah, it was fucking <laughs> wingdings. Advanced calculus, like it was like m- the logic of math, like math logic. And I realized that very quickly. And I like there was this nice guy who was two years below me, and he was tutoring me, and he was like really good at it. And mm-hmm. I-, I would meet him like one- like once a week, and I would just be like, Alec, I don't get this. And he was just, like, I'm. He would be like, Yeah, you're really bad at this. And I was fully <laughs> fa- like I had a really good. G- I was I did really well in college, but I was failing this class. Like I had a I had an F in my spring mm-hmm. semester of senior. Like I wouldn't be able to graduate. So I went up to him and I just said, "I'm not. I'm not failing. I'm graduating." I was like, "You need to pass me." So he gave me a B. Uh, you just have to have that. a frank. Be like, "Look, I'm I'm not going to do this ever again. I'm not going to do math. Mm-hmm. I'm an English major." I won't have a job for probably two years after this, but please at least let me pass so I don't have to come You're back. You're like, I'm an English major. <laughs> in, I'm going to struggle recession. for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm going yeah. to struggle. I'm in the, there's like, a recession going on. It's 2011. We are in like the dregs of the recession. <laughs> Can you give me a fucking... I wanted. I was like, just give me a C. He gave me a B. But yeah. That's a very gracious right? grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I, Symbolic least, logic, like, fuck on off. <laughs> But I wish I'm I think it's cool that you had like the the foresight to be like, I'm going to be a writer or creative. Yeah, well, no. Well, yeah. I mean, I was the only one with that foresight and it kind of <laughs> no one else was really like on board until I finally got like a book deal. Did anyone believe anything that I was doing? Yeah. But then then it finally made sense years later. And now I'm like. Now I'm open to the possibility of a romance with numbers. You know what I say to that? What? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> as an, as Don't one even, math, it's going to be a heartbreaking endeavor. <laughs> it's going to be heartbreaking as one mathematically challenged person to the other. I yeah, I should have my first. I should have. The first time I ever someone ever complimented my writing was in sixth grade, and this kid came up to me on the playground. And I guess my teacher had read something I wrote to the other section as like, cause she, she thought it was like good. And I didn't, I was mm-hmm. mortified when I found out. And this kid came up to me and he was like, yeah, O'Donnell. He was like, uh, the thing you wrote was really good. And I was like, thanks. He goes, it was really gay, but like good. <laughs> he knew he had your number. And I was just like, thanks. <laughs> and walked off. <laughs> and I was like, to this day one of the best compliments i've ever gotten that's a great compliment it was like real like he had to be like it was really gay but it was good 
Yeah. Gay but good. <laughs> gay, <laughs> That's kind of been gay your, but good. your beat. Yeah. Your beat. Yeah. <laughs> this whole this whole time. I love that's the the butt. Gay slash good, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Let's modernize it. Yeah. Um Wow. Yeah. I think my first eighth grade was my moment where I was like, I'm a good writer when it was like when I was put on a group project with two other people and I was like, they're clearly not going to cut it. And I was just like, I'm carrying the fuck out of this. Like, I don't worry. I'm just going to do it and I will get us this a, and then I was like, pretty talented group projects. (sighs) Group products can go fuck themselves. Mm -hmm. There's always a weak link. Always. Sometimes you just have to take the reins. Yeah. Hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation professionally one day. Mm. Hmm. Um, let's get into these salty, salty queens. queens. So we're on the second episode of Real Hot Stars of Salt Lake City. I have to say, just going into it from the start, that I was not as impressed with this episode as the first one. Same. I think it was kind of a flop of an episode, but I'm going to give it the sophomore slump pass and just have faith that the next weeks will be even better the first one it was almost was so explosive and so jaw-dropping that it it's not even fair to compare or like expect but i i did but it's hard when like it could be a jersey season three scenario where you where they just like came out the gates with a brawl and then everything else is like dame newmont from there on out yeah I was, but I'm willing to I'm willing to keep the faith. I'm willing to keep the faith in my Latter-day Saints and mm. hope that they pull through in these troubled times. Speaking of gay but good, um mm-hmm. there's an amazing, you know there's like like cringe gay movies from the early 2000s late 90s that were all like independent and like like gay like Adam and Steve and like Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this one movie called Latter-day that I think I've mentioned it's like the base. I feel like it was the inspiration for Lisa Vanderpump. It's mm-hmm. about Jacqueline Bissett is in it. And it's about this like party boy bartender at a hot West Hollywood restaurant who is like sleeps around and is just like living the gay life. And then this runaway ex Mormon from Utah starts working there as the bus boy. And he's really cute. And they, they have like, they fall in love and like, Oh my god! And Jacqueline Bissett's like the mother of the restaurant. And she's like boys, boys, and and they, there's like hot gay sex, and then the Mormon gets sent to conversion therapy, and like it's just it's this whole and what? it's wild movie. It's so it's very melodramatic, but it's amazing, and it's, it feels that's very absolutely ran- Vanderpump. It's rules. totally Vanderpump Rules. She's like Wait, boys, can boys. I also, would just intervene with like a side combo about vpr which is that fucking okay danica there was an update friend of the pod jamie stein sent me an update about danica and old brett Mm. and okay i just have to tell you it's from like an instagram post that he sent me from i real housewives danica dow's ex-boyfriend brett willis avoided criminal charges after he admitted that he broke into her home in the middle of the night cut a lot of her clothes and stole her iphone according to a report from tmz danica originally reported the incident to law enforcement but the outlet learned that the la county da's office will not file charges against willis jackie lacy go 
<laughs> Jackie Lacey must go. Danica's on the front lines of the Jackie Lacey must go oh resistance. Brett also returned. Oh, wait. Willis avoided charges after he offered to pay for the damages and Dow accepted the offer. Brett also returned her iPhone, which he said he grabbed by mistake because it looked like his, which the DA's office decided not to charge him. As for Brett, he told the outlet he cooperated with law enforcement and is relieved to close this chapter of his life. However, the pair's restraining order against each other remains in effect. The exes both have upcoming court dates to address the restraining orders. Wow. Okay, why the fuck... Was this not a storyline? Why were we deprived like, of hot old Brett? The fucking old Vanderpump rules, like Vanguard Vanderpump rules, would have provided, like, this would have been central drama oh, yeah. in the new season. Like, can you imagine if that had happened between Jax and Stassi, like, no. in the early episodes? Like, what the fuck? Like, who do they think they are? I, I think truly they were like, we are not like, we're not trashy anymore. We're aspirational, no, darling. And then no. it's like, no, know your roots and know where your bread you is are, fucking butter. Brett and Danica are the scum that we needed. Like they're the tr- we, they're total like that's crazy messy, queens. messy drop like relation where someone breaks it and also like I messy love, West Hollywood drama of cutting up like your H and M clothes, cutting up your <laughs> your lady significant others. That is unhinged and like completely. Something that only would happen on Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, and stealing your phone, but then thinking... <laughs> like That harkens back to like Kristen Dowdy saying that James Kennedy's mom like stole her credit card. Yes, this is like... Bank that is a robbed a bank. Didn't she rob <laughs> a bank? Robbed, no. Uh, she might... I don't know, but she definitely stole Kristen's credit card and went and got Botox with it. Which was honestly a power move and something I would want to do. <laughs> Botox ain't cheap. Kristen was like, she charged $400 for the Botox onto my credit card. But, but yeah, yeah I'm like, this is the I be, problem. Can I, can I be really honest? Yeah, I, followed, I think I know I, what you're well, going to say. I followed you what? I think I feel, say it, but I feel like I know what you're going to say. What? Brett is hot? No, not well, yeah, but oh. I... I followed him on Instagram and I recently unfollowed him because he, he posted some pro kind of vaguely pro cop thing and I couldn't tolerate it. Mm. Um, but he, he posted something and I wrote, I, I think I react, I think I responded to his, <laughs> one of his stories with like a flame reaction. <laughs> Which is really, of old Brett? Of, of old Brett, Brett Willis? Yeah. Okay, wait, but him being like pro cop is definitely he. Like, I don't know if it maybe w- why he got off. Yeah, of the charges. The L.A. Well, thank God they got rid of Jackie Lacey, and they're having. You know, there's definitely some reformation. But the D.A. in L.A. like they were. I think they refused to. Didn't she also refuse to go after someone else? That was like the yoga guy, the fucking yoga guy, the Bikram. Yeah, she, she Jackie would Lacey not would prosecute not press charges Bikram. Like, they don't. They are very cool with. What does Bikram know about Jackie Lacey? Yeah, I mean, no, they just like they are. If it comes to like rational celebrity or like, if it comes to like violence or murder or like racial injustice, like the L.A. like Jackie Lacey was like. <sighs> sorry i will not be helping that it's <laughs> like not my problem if it comes to like, like domestic violence very much yeah. is your problem yeah <laughs> no sorry 
He gets a pass. If someone came into your house and cut up all your clothes, I would be really upset that's about that. That's deranged. That's wild. Like, that's so vindictive and, and evil. Yeah. Like, it'd be one thing if he, like, it'd almost be more less creepy if he, like, just stole her iPhone. But he broke in and cut up her clothes. I know. I just am... How... If any producers are listening right now, hey, but also shame on you for... Shame on you for not exploiting this toxic relationship for all it was worth no you made us you made us and now you're getting karmically what you deserve which is no vanderpump rules filming right now yeah. and everything on hold you made us you forced us to watch stassi and Bo and <sighs> jackson Brittany in their fucking house yeah i don't give a shit i want brett yeah, I, I want old brett and danica's like toxic brawling shoving i want danica shoving old brett filing restraining orders heading downtown with her lawyers and like discovering that her clothes have been cut up i want to see photos of danica like being discussed on the show of her leaving court like in a smart pantsuit Mm -hmm. and old brett i want danica and old brett's journey like front and center and for you to not give that to us is I now I'm filing a restraining order <laughs> against Bravo. <laughs> Me too. I'm going to file a restraining order against the producers of Vanderpump Rules. I'm filing a rest- restraining order on behalf of the cat. I'm going to restrain them from interacting with the cast members who are truly the not worth ones. our television time and funnel them into the ones that are yeah. like Danica and old Brett. I'm also filing a restraining order against Danica and old Brett. Because I'm afraid of Because <laughs> I don't want them to come for don't me. Don't come for me. But I want to watch but, you. Yeah, I want to watch you do your thing. I'm team both of you. Separately and together. Whatever's better. Probably, or worse. Probably for your life. <laughs> They're probably better not being together. But I, I would yeah. like to see it go down on TV. But anyway, mm-hmm. that is a missed opportunity on Bravo's part. Yeah. Bravo, you can't let us down. You can't let us down with that. And you cannot let us down with Salty Queens. We need the you, we need the Mormon our Mormon ladies, our tough tabernacles to fully come <laughs> into their own this season. <laughs> so this episode finds you know, it's like the shaky landing after such a bumpy ride in episode 1. But we come up on Jen and Mary post fight at Meredith meredith's quote-unquote birthday party that jen's hosting at her chalet that may or may not be rented um and jen has stormed into the bathroom and is crying and she has a few friends consoling her and then heather comes in to help kind of bring her back yeah and heather's taking her back jen is mostly i think upset over mary's flip-flopping from being like i didn't say that come over here did i say that yeah, I said it. Yeah, like, I think Jen is shaken. The, she can't take the flip-flop either, and I understand. Like, that would drive me crazy. It's not... She keeps saying it's about the hospital comment, but we. I think it's less... It's, not. It's like, not about the pasta. It's, like, about... It's about her being terrified of Mary. Mm-hmm. Mary's ability to just go from day to night in the blink of an eye is fairly peerless. 
I think Mary may be a ghost. Maybe. Because she, she looked like one tonight. When you get the full scope of her outfit, like they'd start talking shit. Jen's like, her damn Christmas tree dress. She's walking around here. And then Heather goes, it's a loofah, a loofah dress. And then you see Mary and it's not like the outfit. I thought at first I was like, oh, I love this. But then when you got the full picture, I was like, you're unhinged for this. Well, they, they didn't, they left out the big reveal of her white tights and platform Mary Jane. <laughs> She has the Carrie Bradshaw, like, Manolo Blahnik, Mary Janes from the Vogue episode. A white pair of tights, which is shocking on a older... It's shocking on a woman over the age of six. She looks like Baby Jane. She looks like... She looks she fully She is Betty whatever Davis. happened to Baby Jane. With then her purse... I think it was the purse for me that really threw off this outfit because it was kind of like a sporty, more like yeah. casual, ready to wear vibe. And she was serving us couture. And I was like, it's not adding up. You're looking crazy. Like I am, I'm scared, but also titillated. Um, Michael Kuby, who's a, a really awesome person to follow on Twitter, but he, he said it was, he was, he's like, how did she make off the runway Valentino look terrible? I think it was Valentino. The, yeah, the, it was Valentino. Yeah. Mary let us know. Oh, I didn't. Thank you. It's Valentino. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, someone I didn't hear was that. Like, it's, it was in the episode, the first episode where someone sat down and they were like, I love your dress. She's like, it's Valentino. Oh, I must have blocked that out. But it was, she looked absolutely insane. She looked a little crumpled. Yeah. yeah. She looked like someone had rolled her up in a ball and rolled her <laughs> down the hill. And then she rolled into the red carpet step and repeat and rolled into the living room. She looks, and like, a, she looks and, like a bed, bath and beyond, like a bed and bath uh, or crate and barrel, like shower sponge. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's very loofah. Mm-hmm. And you hear Heather trying to like, talk jen off a cliff and jen is like i let her into my circle and this is what i get and heather goes it's a privilege to be in your circle yeah heather it's you can tell heather is kind of over she thinks both of them are being ridiculous like she also thinks jen is taking it too far and she's like okay this needs she in her confessional she's like i just kind of need to yes yes and her and then like get her to stop because i think heather Mm -hmm. knows how to handle jen when she's upset which is just to like coddle her and tell her that she's amazing. Yeah. It's easier just to smooth Some things over. Some people, you just have to do that. Yeah, it's true. It's an honor and a privilege, you say to yeah. them. And then they shut up, finally. And then Mary <laughs> wanders into the room, <laughs> and you see her outside the bathroom, and she hears the commotion going on in there, and you just hear Mary go, Jen? <laughs> Hello? Jen? <laughs> like, playing it off like, what's going on? Which is also unhinged. Mary lives in several different realities at once. Mm-hmm. Like she'll tap into one and then it will be too much and she'll tap out. And the reality that she's tapped into now is like, oh, Jen's upset. I wonder what could have possibly happened. Yeah, what what was that about? But then she taps it. She comes into the bathroom and then she taps into a reality of like needing to share her odor gland journey with the world at large and monologues about how she had she quote all her glands removed and ended up in the hospital for 30 days she had 12 surgeries 
Yeah, she she really doubles down and she's like, look, I'm really sorry about the hospital thing. I didn't say you smelled like a hospital. I said it smells like a hospital, which I was like, okay. And she she's like, that that smell, I I, I just, I can't. And then she goes, oh. And then in her confessional, her eyes cross. She goes, Mary and her whole posse smelled like hospital. And you find out that, <laughs> yes, she came down with something and had to end up getting all of her odor glands removed. So it took 12 surgeries. And like Laura said, it was 30 days of her in the hospital. And we were like both trying to figure out really what was the, like what would be the catalyst for that. And then you found out that it was something she developed like boils. Yeah. So basically she said that she had an autoimmune disease, which caused her body to attack her odor glands. And when they attack them, they cause big boils. Mm. So I was getting boils everywhere. So my doctor suggested I remove all the odor glands, which feels very like um, biblical plague yeah. adjacent. The 11th plague is Mary. Yeah. Boils, <laughs> boils always take me right to a place of biblical plague. Yeah. Mary apologizes, then she goes, then she just switches into another reality where she's now going to be apologetic. And she goes, I'm so, I'm sorry if I hurt you. I would never try. I n- did not mean to hurt you. I never try to hurt you. She says, I would never want to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> she's really Kelly Ben Simone mm-hmm. in that moment. She goes, she like goes, a, to- a denial of reality in general. She goes, Can we hug it out? Come on. Come on. And then on. Ma- Jen is just like frozen and complete confusion (laughs) jen wasn't ready jen's not ready for mary's jelly no and she and she says um something like i'm watching mary like i'm i know she's full of shit but i'm gonna play it off like i forgive her so jen and mary are gonna have shit all season yeah i'm i'm ready me too um Whitney approaches Lisa mm-hmm. and she goes, Whitney goes, Hey, how have you been? And Lisa goes, crazy busy. Yeah. <laughs> so Sundance is, Sundance is coming up. This is pre COVID times. I think this is around Christmas. So, you know, Sundance is in January, right? So I think mm-hmm. she's ready, you know, the, as the queen of Sundance, it's, it's upon them soon. Um, so she's been all over the place. And then Whitney brings up that Lisa. So Lisa supplied, Whitney's vow renewal with her husband, the party with like enough tequila for 500 people, according to Lisa and two of the company's like on hand bartenders. So they send like, they have their own catering service. So she sent Mm -hmm. two of her bartenders to bartend the wedding and Whitney, she's like, they said they had a lot of fun. Lisa says, and then Whitney goes, yeah, they had a lot of fun. You should ask them how it went. And we find out that Whitney, According to her, they trashed the place. They got hammered on the on the vodka and the tequila, and then they went into her husband's Irish whiskey. And we do a we go to a flash of her house, and there's like one area that has a little bit of broken glass. Mm-hmm. And Whitney's cleaning it up, and she's like, "It's just such a mess. It's such a mess. My God, my new house, my brand new house." And Lisa's not having this feedback. No. She is like, I gave you this as a gift, and this is what you're gonna say. Like, no, I don't think so. And and Whitney's like, they went into all of our top shelf tequila, and then Lisa goes, hold on, hold on, my company, our tequila is top shelf tequila, and then Whitney goes, Beta tequila is top shelf tequila, and Whitney goes, no, I'm talking about tequila that's not from America. 
And Lisa's like, oh, and that does not sit well. No, you don't say that to Lisa. She owns three tequila brands that she considers. T- I love that in her mind, it's top shelf. Yeah, you probably heard of our companies. No, I haven't. I've never heard of them, literally ever. Um, So she is slowly... Lisa leaves. Lisa she's leaves. gotta go. She tells Meredith on her way out. She's like, I'm not going to sit here and listen to her lie about and like spread slander about my company. And she walks down the red carpet and flips off the party. Yeah, she says, I don't want trash telling me that my business is not good. It's like, wow, you just escalated things. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, Princess Diana. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William vs. Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know that hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine? That is where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered showerhead. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement, unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code SEXYUNIQUE at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry! Your hair and skin will thank you. So then 
the next day, it's a new day in Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and Whitney has taken to the pole. Yeah, Whitney's and... doing a quick little pole workout before the eyes of her nine-year-old daughter, Bobby. And truly, Bobby is an old soul. Like, yeah. Bobby is down to clown, and I'm, like, ready to slip her my number so that we can just, like, hang out and hobnob because she has the maturity level of, like, a fellow mid-30s queen. She said something like, where, like, what did she say? Like, where were you when she I was needed like, you? What have you been up what have you been up to and when I've been missing out on all that? Like, she was very, she's giving me Miranda from yeah. Sex in the City. Like, she's quippy but smart. Yeah, she kind of says, like, basically, like, what is, where do you, who are you? Like, she's just, Yeah, like, what have I been missing yeah, out on? Yeah, what have I been like, missing out on? This is what you've gotten up to? I was like, Bobby, you're hilarious. fucking hilarious. Come yeah. over. She's so cute. And so Whitney's just, you know, working off the drama from the night before. And then we cut to Jen and she's getting her place cleaned. The chalet is being cleaned. The Shaw mm-hmm. chalet. Jen loves a Swiffer moment. Mm-hmm. She, I think Jen believes that Swiffers solve everyone's problems. I do too. She feels empowered by a Swiffer, like when in the last episode, when she's just like Swiffering in her little heel, her little booties. Mm-hmm. And then she just gives all of her staff Swiffers yeah. and is like, do your thing. Like everything will be fine if everyone's Swiffering. She claims that her husband, uh, Sharif, has no idea that she through this massive party for Meredith. She told she he comes in and he's like, wow, it looks like you have a lot of help cleaning up this little girl's night. And she's like, ha, 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 just a few of us. And I think it's part of their, I feel like it's part of their, like, role play. Yeah, I think their role play is, like, she's role playing as though they own this house, which I'm pretty sure they don't. It's, like, someone was saying it's a rental just for filming. Mm -hmm. And then their, like, silly couple's role play is, like, can't let the husband know that the wife is throwing parties while he's gone. But I'm, like, I think everyone just knows everything. Yeah, and it's going to be on camera. Why not? Yeah, just abandon this and, like, let's move on to a different role play. I don't want to be privy. This isn't working for me. I honestly don't want to be privy for anyone, any couples, like, you know foreplay like like if that. you can yeah like if you can do a convincing if you can convince me as a viewer that you're really this is like an actual secret that you're hiding and like you have the acting abilities to pull that off then by all means go for it yeah but i don't think that they do no. for this particular like the ha- throwing parties at the house role play so mm-hmm. i'm like figure figure out a different Try again. Yeah. is what I would tell them if I was their acting teacher. I'd give them a new scene. Yeah, it's like, this and then new scene. I'd be like, "You just got, you just got your lips done, and he doesn't know." <laughs> Go. <laughs> Who me? Who me? I don't get it. Um. So that's like a quick little like glimpse into the Shaw house, and then, um, then we go over to Lisa. Yeah. Lisa is still furious from Whitney's blasphemous claims about her business. Yeah. And she takes her husband into their weird living room where they have no furniture. And I can't decide if it's by choice or like they've just moved into this house. Like I'm really unclear on their living space. Okay. Here's my theory about. I mean, it's not really a theory. I think it's confirmed that they do this. But I, I think a lot of these shows still do the thing where they'll, like, rent a home. 
and like pretend that they live there. Who else did that? I think they've done I it. I didn't on know other, that, that. I think they've done it on other housewives. Oh, okay. I think they do it sometimes in like reality shows. Like they'll rent a house and like make it seem like they live there. That makes sense. Like I get why you would do that, but at the same time, I mean, this place looks bare. It's bare. It's stark. it's barren. It's it's very. It's kind of unsettling. She it's said really she, unsettling. She's on like it a giant. Like, like what is that? Like a foot. An ottoman, a or giant something? ottoman that looks like kind of. They have like one couch and one ottoman and like a room that looks like it. I just it was like I'm so I'm thrown by this. Yeah, I was a little chintzy. And I would just rather see your house, like. Yeah, it looked like an ottoman in like the dressing room at like Rue Twenty One or something. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not loving it. Yeah. But Lisa sits her husband down and then just talks at him for hours 45 minutes yeah literally 4.5 hours went by as Mm -hmm. she relayed the ins and outs of this whitney story Mm -hmm. and like what she thought and what whitney thought and what's going on and what it all means and her husband i can't tell if he's just extremely awkward with a camera crew or if he truly has been beaten into submission I, by his wife i really I, I know i'm like the great defender of her husband but like i really you were i really boned believe, up for i yeah i want to i want to sit on him um but i <laughs> i i do and that's fine um i feel like he's low-key funny okay that's my theory. Because at one point he goes, he goes, yes, you're gen- you're so generous always. Like he just he says <laughs> things that are like kind of tr- vaguely trolly her. Yeah, he's a little bit trolly, but then and then after she has talked, he waits a beat and he goes, "Do you want listening or feedback?" That's why I think he's funny. Okay. And she goes, <laughs> "Stop!" I just want to tell the story. She goes, "I just want to tell the story." The story. Um, I like, as I know that you don't like Lisa, but I kind of love her because she is mean, a mean girl. No, I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to like her. And I, her. I like to watch a, I like to watch a mean girl yeah. at play. She thinks very highly of herself. Yeah, I like, I like, I guess I like that for that. And she's going to cause drama, but like, I just want her, she needs to, as long as she's like, p- plays the villain and doesn't try to, because if she's tries, if, I don't think she's like nice enough to be like the audience proxy. Mm-hmm. So I'm no, kind of, I don't. I think Heather is the audience. Heather or like Meredith, sure. but I I feel like she needs to just be the villain, which is cool. Yeah, she seems to be. I think she's gonna unwittingly just become the villain because yeah. she's having villainous behavior. So I pray to my Latter Day Saints that she leans in, just leans into that and accepts it. I just don't like the her Queen of Sundance, her haughtiness of Heather and Whitney and their family. Do you think it's motivated I really by religion? Think it's, I think it's like a weird, like, uh, kind of threatened by their Mormon, like, they'll always have something over her kind of thing. That's my theory. Because she's, a, re- she's a convert. She is a, so she is a convert is just like striving to be at the level that they were just born into. Yeah. And that they've like rejected it and, and it's like, now could, an affront like, to her you? Mormon sensibilities. Yes. That's what I think. Okay. That's what Whitney thinks too. I agree. Because then Heather and Whitney go shopping for ski boots and 
Heather is reeling from Lisa blowing her off at the party. She goes, good, good, how are you? Oh my God, a good. And then. A good, a good, a good. And then Whitney is like, yeah, well, I had shit with her too. And she says that they taught after their kind of tense convo at Meredith's party, Lisa and her talked on the phone. And apparently Lisa threatened to release rumors that she has been holding on to about Whitney and her husband, that they're swing swingers, or as Whitney says, swingers. Swingers. Very Whitney Port. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whitney has that. She has the like vocal lilt and fry of a Hills character. Yeah. So, and it is very like a Whitney Port vocal tendency, so, which I lo- I loved the way and still love the way that Whitney Port talks. Jeans are ruining my life. I remember watching The Hills and just being like, I've never heard someone speak like this in my life. And I wish that I spoke like this. Also her in the city. Incredible. Yeah, incredible. Um, the city, which gave us Olivia Palermo. Uh, now we can't get rid of her if we try. I know. She's here to I say. feel like every time I open up Daily Mail, it's Olivia Palermo this. And I'm like, I've never, I've never asked. No one asked for this. No one asked for like this. Cassie David Truly. and Olivia Palermo. But Cassie David and Olivia Palermo. Um, um, so Whitney kind of gives us a glimpse into how she broke off from like her Mormonism or like how she began to question her Mormon faith, which is she grew up being a good little Mormon girl and did everything that the church told her to do. And then when she was in high school, she had a beer and fooled around with her boyfriend and then didn't feel guilty about it and questioned everything. Which I was, I was like, like, real. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. She like went to third base with her boyfriend and like drank Coronas and was like, mm-hmm. whoa. It was like, that was kind of That was great. Cool. And, I didn't, and I didn't die. Yeah, and nothing bad happened. I yeah. love like waiting to get like yeah. struck down or feel like being mm-hmm. like, when is it gonna? And then being like, hmm. I appreciate maybe Whitney's they're lying yeah, to me. I appreciate her honesty. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, we get- and I do like her. Li- she does this little dance during her like intro that's like very like it's classic white girl mm-hmm. dancing. Yeah, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy towards her yeah she's very honest in this episode. like so the next scene we have whitney at her house and she's making dinner for her kids and then her dad comes over and her dad steve right looks steve looks <laughs> literally is diane warren his hair is full joyce to it diane warren like coming in <laughs> strong and almost looks like he's wearing like a toupee or something like it's it's kind of an unbelievable or- hairdo it's an unbelievable, and I truly, we did not even cover Steve in the last episode. Well, it was only, he had a brief, which is, he was very, but he, he, had a brief but he moment, stole the show. He stole the show and stole my heart. And I, in this moment where he finally comes in to talk to Whitney, I was like, they're showing kind of throwback photos of the family and like what Steve used to look like, which was maybe kind of bald. And I was like, what happened to Steve to warrant this transformation from like bald Mormon daddy to like rock star? Maybe he, and it turns out he got a wig or I think it's a wig. Yeah. And he, or I mean, I don't know. So we find out that her dad, uh, is sober. He's in recovery from painkillers and he really mm-hmm. has struggled over the last 10 years with his addiction. And 
Whitney's whole and family. He's lost everything. He's lost everything. And he was really, he was self-made millionaire. He ran, he owned like a chain of hair salons and owned a hair school and had a line of he hair product. Literally Chaz Dean. He was the Chaz Dean of Salt Lake City and he was the Mormon, like the Mormon hair guy of Utah. And he was Mormon Chaz Dean. I feel like. I wouldn't put it past Chaz Dean to have something to do with Steve's His, downfall. Yeah. He incepted. Like, Chaz Dean intercepted, like, a drink, or I could see, like, them being at, like, a hair conference. Yeah. And this, and like, Chaz kind of, like, Steve. salt of the earth Utah Mormon guy is getting all this buzz, and everyone's like, oh, he's, like, the darling of the conference, and Chaz Dean being like, I will destroy him. Chaz Dean was like, I don't think so. I don't think so. And then they they... He came into the bathroom while Steve was just like finishing up a pee and Steve was like kind of rubbed his neck and was like, oh, my neck kind of sore. And he's like, you know, it's great for that. Pills. Chaz Dean said <laughs> Percocet and then gave him like then dosed him. And then yeah. I like I feel like investigate Chaz Dean. He's like, hey, got any pills? And Steve's like, no. And he's like, I do. I do. You like, want one? And he's like, sure. Sure. Anything to make your neck feel real good. Oh my god, they were at some conf they were at some like sad conference in like Central California or something. Yeah, and like Bakersfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I love Steve. I'm glad he's getting help and I want him to reopen his salon and dethrone Chaz Dean once and for all. Well M- M- Whitney reveals that their whole family turned their back on him when he lost because he got a divorce from his wife because of it. He basically was all alone and the only person in the family who would help him was Whitney because I guess they were very, they sort of looked down on him in their faith for having addiction. So Whitney was really the only one that walked through this with him, which I think is really cool. And sounds like she's in some kind of program for, um, yeah, know. she might be in like Al-Anon she, I or think something. She seems a little Al-Anon-y. Um, I love that for them. I'm, I'm curious about Steve. I, I feel like, it's kind of rare. I feel like it's rare to be a Mormon hairdresser. But you know what? There are some hairdressers that have big dick energy that's that are straight. Like, oh yeah, no, I'm not. I, I was thinking maybe he was gay, but I think he's. I think he is straight. I, it's just. It's just interesting that he kind of chose. Like, I feel like just from what we've seen and what we know of like this kind of culture, it seems like a radical departure. Yeah. Which is cool. But I feel like Mormons and some Mormon listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's like, they're like, whatever you do is fine. You better just like excel at it and fucking rock the house. Yeah. And that's true. It doesn't, if it, and like, you better just like kill it. And if you fuck up, we hate you. (laughs) It's your fucking fault. You're a weakling. And like we're not on your team anymore. And that sounds like that's what happened. Yeah, because um, like Whitney what, is saying that they view addiction as like a weakness, and that if you're addicted, it's just because of your own shitty life choices. Which is like, damn, that's like fucking harsh. But then Whitney goes, I go from being like, oh, Whitney really gets it, to her being like, because she she says that she plans, she invites her dad to come with her to Mary's church. So Red I'm flag. like red flag this is this is how they get you (laughs) this is going from like one cult which is mormonism to basically another which is mary's like 
gathering Pentecostal. Mary is the vanguard or prefect of her own Nexium-esque vibe yeah i was like whitney's too prime to get like sucked into yeah this they're both nonsense. i feel like they're both prime candidates because he's sort of lost and she's like broken off from something else so it's like there's something mm-hmm. in her that's maybe innately drawn to that they're um, looking for answers <sighs> basically that's a dangerous place to be it, to avoid just don't have any need for answers and you won't be you won't be sucked into a cult when you are truly curious and looking for answers i encourage you to just close your eyes and look within because the answer lies in you yes always has always will close the shades for a second breathe in breathe out and ask yourself what is the answer and you will tell yourself go into the dark you may not like you may not like what you hear yeah but that is your answer take a trip into the literally no one else has them yeah yeah um then we cut to Heather's, Seth and Meredith. Oh, Beth and Meredith. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Seth and Meredith head to a place that looks like the Capitol Girl called Handle. And <laughs> she's wearing like truly monstrous <laughs> outfit that I You called it her Sea Org outfit. <laughs> <laughs> she's wearing like full Sea Org. She's wearing shoulder pads with like medallion like studs on them that represent like badges of honors <laughs> she's, she's, she's captain morgan <laughs> we need a scientologist housewife uh please we need that and maybe the next iteration of beverly hills will have that mm-hmm. or they could do a florida they could do like clear real housewives of clear water oh, fuck we need another either reboot of housewives in miami which i didn't watch but i know has like a big following real housewives of palm beach Real Housewives of Philadelphia, Clearwater, yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. They'll never do Philadelphia because Grace Kelly's niece didn't want to do it. Ugh, they need to do. I don't know why. I know. I mean, I know why because they already had like a property being developed in Oklahoma City, but they need to do a Real Housewives of Oklahoma. I would City love that because I'm sure that, and they could call it. This is a free idea, Bravo. You could call it the Real OC or Rokc Oklahoma City. Yeah, Roke C would truly kill. And I know that you could find people. I could help you find people. Call us. So call us. Let five, me know. Five, five, two, no. Um, I know about the country clubs. We, that's all, Lauren knows about the ice that's all I'm going to say. I know about ice sculptures <laughs> and centerpieces and who gathers around them. Text me. Yeah, so Seth and Mary, Meredith are having a, a little date night and... Seth looks hot, I think. And Meredith and him sit down and he goes, you look really pretty tonight. And she looks at him. And she stares at him for a second lovingly and goes, thank you. And he goes, I really appreciate the eye contact tonight. So we already know that they're in some heavy couples counseling because that's some stuff like that's like homework they probably have to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, where else would my eyes be? And he says, on your phone. Ooh. And then we learn very casually that they're separated, fully yeah. like living separate lives. And that's what we were suspecting was going to happen. But now we confirm that it's already happened. And now we know. And now we know. Um. So Seth and Meredith, I guess, met at 23, married at 24, and had a baby at 25. Yeah. So they've been at it for a while. They have. 
And like most marriages, it seems to have run its course. And now they are fully living separate lives, but kind of keeping it a secret, but also not because they're filming a reality show and talking about it. So Seth is like, I, who have, who knows that we're separated? Mm. Like, what's going on? He says in their like talking heads interview, he's like, I'm not dating anyone. I sure as hell hope Meredith isn't dating anyone. And she kind of just like rolls her eyes. So this kind of confirms that like, or not confirms, but it hints that it's sort of the opposite of what we were thinking that he has like another family. It seems it might be the fact that Meredith is has her own thing going on because he asks to look at her phone or he says, look, you can, I, I will give you my phone now and you can go through all my messages and I will, I would not be nervous. And he goes, and I can't mm-hmm. say the same about you. And, and she's she, like, I don't need to, she's like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to give you my phone. That's, that's nonsense. I don't want it. I think something tells me that his act, like, I just don't trust his act. I think he probably is also seen someone or yeah, has gotten true. some on the side, but then is like, would also be jealous if she was yeah. doing it too. Like true pig behavior. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, you're both separated. Like you're allowed to fuck other people, I guess, unless you've yeah. both decided that you're not like, I could but see, maybe I, it- I, I think I kind of, I think that's probably the case. Like, I think he seems very possessive, mm-hmm. but like, we'll, jump at the chance of getting his like dick sucked by someone yeah like i feel like i could hook up with seth and if meredith wants to go and like have an emotional affair with someone over text message like let her so be it because maybe seth you should have been home for her birthday Mm -hmm. maybe instead of having your gay son just spread thousands of rose petals all over the living room that Mm -hmm. then someone had to clean up just littering in her personal space wait also i need maybe you just should (laughs) have there was a back of the in the party scene last week uh or or in the beginning of this episode there was there were some moments when brooks and mary were talking to each other Mm -hmm. like in the background they were and they were in this like intense conversation and i was like what are they talking about yeah, what are they talking about? Because Mary seemed like really like into talking to him and was like seemed really sweet with him, and I was like, "What's going on?" We need more cameras on Brooks, and we need way more cameras on Mary. I want to know every conversation she's having with anyone. She, like that should be the focal point of any scene. Is she that constantly Mary is in. courting people to join her temple? And if not, like, what are the just the regular day to day combos? Yeah. Like, I want to see her getting her FedEx package. Okay, yeah. So, we, so Seth and Meredith have their tent shit. And then we cut to the next morning. Heather's, like, trying on helmets for skiing in her house. And she looks really happy and excited. And we're just, we're really understanding how much Heather loves to ski. She's a, she's a real ski bunny. She's a ski head. Mm-hmm. No one loves the slopes more than than Heather. And she and Meredith FaceTime and have this like kind of fake FaceTime conversation that's really weird. And she, they decide to get a girl's trip for Thursday to go skiing for like a day. Oh, yeah. They've, they've like set up a ski day for everyone to like hit the slopes together. So like we cut to the moment that all the ladies have like arrived to the slopes to like embark on their ski journey. Mm hmm. 
and Mary is late because she was waiting on a FedEx package, which was her coat that she's wearing to the ski day a to sh- arrive. A Chanel coat. Queen. She looks That's queen shit. She looks incredible. She has this giant Russian hat on. She looks amazing. Mm-hmm. She brought her best, her best outfits. Yeah. To lay in the snow. And I, I was, you know, I was thinking like, I get that because when you are waiting for a package that you really need, like life is on pause. Mm-hmm. It's like the Wells Fargo wagon from Music Man. You just you need what you need. You need what you need. So she arrives mm-hmm. late to the to the chalet or the lodge. They all get their stuff going. Whitney's snowboarding. Yeah, Whitney's like a cool snowboarding gal. I can't relate. I've never snowboarded in my life. Me neither. Heather, it seems like an absolute recipe for a broken bone totally. for me personally. Me too. Skiing is terrifying. Skiing's terrifying. I'm a traditionalist. Like if I'm going to hit the slopes, I will ski, but I will ski completely out of control. <laughs> like I don't know how to really, I kind of know how to turn, but sometimes the ski just straight down the hill takes over and I will barrel at 45 miles an hour until I inevitably fall. It's, it's frightening. Yeah. Like the last time I went skiing, I told this on our deleted void episode, but I'll tell it again. I truly lost all control on the slopes, was going like it's a bat out of hell down the side of a mountain, <laughs> then fully just cartwheeled over, fell, lost both of my skis, both of my poles, flew just like head over heels, fell, slid a hundred feet and came to a stop in front of like a small family that was just like taking a break on the side of the mountain. And they were like, are you, are you well? Like, have you survived? Are you, is your neck broken? Like what is happening? Cause it was truly a jackass level wipeout. Yeah. And I was fine, but I had cheated death in that moment. The mountain was trying. The mountain took me and it told me we could have killed you today, but <laughs> we, we let, let you live. live. <laughs> we let you live. So now You're dismiss really- yourself from the slope and go drink a beer in the lodge. <laughs> and we don't want to see you again. And I said, okay, sir. Yeah, skiing. I was okay at it when I was a kid. And then I think growing up, I just got more fearful. And the last time I went was, I was like, <laughs> really terrible. My friend. I'm horrible. My friend was snowboarding and she like almost slid off the side of the mountain and it was just like very scary. And uh, yeah, I, I'm happy for people that just feel the thrill of like wind burn and the wind whipping at their faces as they like love that for you. Just meet me in the lodge. Yeah. I'll be drinking a seltzer. I'd like to get good at skiing again. Like I could see... Like, I would have to invest a lot of time, money, and energy into lessons and equipment. And then, like, I would have to take a lot of lessons before I really felt comfortable. Because I just stopped. I have not skied since that wipeout and, like, wouldn't (laughs) feel comfortable doing it again. It was the warning from the gods. But, like, I would need to get, have so much training before I felt truly comfortable and hot on the slopes. And I'm jealous of people that managed to like hot sporty slopers because i literally look like brian dennehy when i put on like a (laughs) 
Yeah, I look I look unwell when I'm working out. No, it's not. It's like some not, people look hot. It's no, not gonna happen. And like there are people who are like great. They have like flushed face, like just looking fresh as fuck on the slopes. And mm-hmm. I'm sweaty. I have to pee, and I like feel very out of my element and uncomfortable. Yeah, my hair turns into a frizz with like a pancake dreadlock. <laughs> It's a frizz all around the crown and then just one pancake dreadlock braid at the nape of my neck. I'm like sweaty. My face bloats up to like twice its normal <laughs> size and I'm just literally a ball. And you walk and you walk into the lodge <laughs> like you're like at a 45 degree angle leaning forward because your shoes. Yeah, are like, like how do people even walk? You're just like doop, doop. You're like, like you look like I feel like Sigourney Weaver and aliens and like that giant alien yes. robot thing just being like <laughs> I'm a clunky jabberwocky <laughs> with a dread just sweating <laughs> a rogue dread a rogue dread that will take at least 10 minutes to brush out at the end of the day yeah I'm just- and just like a sweaty ruddy mess it's bad. And meanwhile, everyone else is like, a ponytail, my ski leggings, Oof, hit the powder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lisa, Mary, and uh, Jen, look. Re- they all look the best, but they are the least skilled, and they hit the bunny slopes for some lessons. And we, we see Mary ends up doing snow angels mm-hmm. with her skis off, which I'm like, I get. Mary is not like I feel like Mary's always mentally skiing. Yeah. So she doesn't Mary's need downhill to actually, at all times. Yeah, it's a constant hurdle towards oblivion for her. So mm-hmm. the actual act of skiing won't do anything for her. Lisa's like, Sundance is coming up. I can't have a broken bone. I have to be on my feet. So I'm like, all right, fair. Business business. That's a, <laughs> that's a responsible business lady decision. Mm-hmm. And Jen's just not. Jen, we see <laughs> Jen had a ski <laughs> lesson the day before in her her home with all of her staff clapping for her going go downhill go downhill go down go down go downhill and then we see her skiing around like various high heels that they set up as like barriers that she has to ski around and it's extremely vanguard moment Mm -hmm. all her her friends which might just be paid assistance yeah she pays her friends which is fine it's um, fine. You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do. do it. Kylie does it. Some people just do it. Um, yeah, put them on the payroll. <laughs> if you can afford it. I mean, if I was Kylie, I'd probably put all my friends on the payroll, too. Me, too. You have the money. You yeah. might as well, I guess. Just go downhill. Go downhill. Go downhill. Go down. Go down. Go downhill. Um, You'd be a great go downhill chanter. Me too. You, I would. You get creative with your chants. You love a chant to clap moment. I do. It's, it's the and swim team captain And you're super supportive. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jen, if you're listening, hi, and you want to come to LA and you need me. a chanter, Carrie is available. Hire me. Um, I Heather loved, is um, so, Heather's like, we're going to hit the slopes now. <laughs> and she like runs up to the top of the mountain. And she's like, isn't it great? She's like, the powder here is unlike anything. The powder and and she keeps she's gloating about Utah's powder and how it's the best in the world and just the way it cuts. There's nothing like it on earth. And I'm like, okay. 
need to lower the intensity about skiing. Yeah, I've never had like a successful powder interaction. (laughs) Yeah, I always sink. Like, I sink and then just fall over like a tree. Like, it's I've never been able to navigate my way through powder. I truly can't wrap my head around people who can. Yeah. So I don't relate. Like, I Heather is skiing like she's at a monster truck route. Like, she is at a full. (laughs) She's at three hundred out of a hundred. Like, she is. I would be so if I was on a ski trip with her. I would be so like overwhelmed and stressed by her she's gonna try and make you go on the powder go on a black diamond yeah and then you're gonna end up crying and like sliding down the mountain on your butt she would like shove me in the chest and be like come on let's do this and i'd be like oh god and you ready to get off when the lift like you'd be on the lift with her and she's like you ready you ready ready? it's almost there it's almost there you're gonna put your skis up which is truly so stressful when you're Trying to dismount the lift without oh, falling on your face. That's horrifying. Oh my god, I just remembered the last time I was skiing, when the lift was coming to scoop me, I looked behind me and it just hit me in the face. And almost <laughs> I got full lift punched in the face and then was just like, oh my god, like it bonked me right in the head. It's... I am not meant to ski. Literally skis? every... <laughs> skis? I again like I think people who are good at I think I like have such respect for people who are just able to do it and pull it off and be like nimble and swift but I I feel like skiing for me in my adult life the few times I've done it has been like I feel just super vulnerable and like it's it feels like I'm at every step gonna something's gonna happen to me like it's you're tempting fate it's the devil's playground just like you getting like that would happen to me to just getting like whacked by something and just being like oh <laughs> just being and imagining what other that looks like mine and then having but not only getting like just bonked More in the face but then having to sit down and be swept off up a mountain afterwards <laughs> to ski down it but people, true nightmare scenario people, how did i survive people, that and then people see like whatever like they're like oh there's that girl that just got a <laughs> lift to the head all day like me then they see me in the powder like yeah you keep seeing the same time. people you keep seeing the same people on the mount like whenever you ski there's you see like, like when you identify just that one freak and then you're like always laughing at them i feel like i'm the person that they're like oh my god there's lift head girl and it's me either truly hurtling down the side of a mountain jackass style or trying to turn in the powder and just continually falling over <laughs> and then there's always the people on the ski who are just like a lot of the snowboarders, especially who just lay after they fall. And you're like, have mm-hmm. to like you, you're skiing down and there's people just laying because they've like fallen and they're just hanging. Mm-hmm. And you have to be like, oh, please, please move. <laughs> please. <laughs> it's a really it's a it's a zero sum game for me. And then like if you say anything, the snowboarders, you know that they'll be like that person has no chill yeah that skier is an amateur and he has no chill i don't know the etiquette and i'm all, i'm afraid for my safety of myself and others once i hit the slope me too i need an instructor to hold my hand heather is shaming the gals in the bunny hill like she just keeps making fun of them for being so bad at skiing and i'm like okay that's classic skier hierarchy too i feel like mm-hmm. they all love to shame yeah 
see it. Have fun on the bunny hill. <laughs> they go up the in the lift. <laughs> I don't want to be assaulted by a lift and then swept up a mountain. I feel like one time I, then I was on a ski risk lift, like, my life, yeah. and ski down. I feel like I was on one of like the rickety chair ski lifts once. I swear to God, this happened, and it was low enough where it was only like eight feet at one point, and some guy like jumped off and started skiing probably and i was just like or maybe it was a little higher but he like fully just like opened the thing and he was like some guy with his girlfriend and he like was like he looked down and then was like i'm gonna go and he just jumped off and i was just like some people i feel like get dropped out of like helicopters onto like mountains to ski it's like fun to watch love to watch it we love to see it don't love to live it no barely Um, can live it at one point on top of the mountain, Meredith, Heather, and Whitney have a little powwow, and they talk about Whitney and Lisa's kind of tumultuous friendship. And we get a shot of we get we cut to a um, an unseen clip from months earlier where Lisa insults Whitney's outfit and says that she looks like a woman from Utah, and that her and Meredith are going to have to help her with her style choices. Mm-hmm. So we so Whitney's just like I feel like she's really condescending to me and treats me like I'm beneath her. And Meredith is very much on this Lisa's side and says that she's looks at Whitney like a big sister and she shouldn't take it personally. And that yeah. she always comes with kindness, come acts from kindness. Which is categorically untrue. So then we it's cut. It's unkind to say someone's trash. Yeah. It's well. So then we cut to later in the night and they're having going to have dinner before they head back. And the lodge is closed but they have the cafeteria they open it up for the girls and they sit down for dinner mary is still wearing her big russian hat which i love mm-hmm. and um there's tension there's there's a you know there's a stiff chill in the air and there's lots of other women around yeah, which i wanted to know more about there's literally like four other people someone named dre and she's and she, dre this random blonde woman and i think she's heather's friend she's at the end of the table and she goes oh this place looks cool and no one says <laughs> dre anything. ever the positive mm-hmm. the positive force that the girls from utah need so they start talking and whitney mentions that um her dad and her are gonna go to mary's church and mary's like yeah they're really excited and it's gonna be fun mm-hmm. and then they kind of whitney kind of confronts lisa but then also doesn't she does it in a very roundabout way where she's like yeah and it's great like i'm excited to be around a non-judgmental space and i just have to ask like why do we even judge each other and then it's clear that she's angling for She like looks an at answer. Lisa. Yeah. Why do we? And Lisa's and Lisa like, just stares at her blinking mm-hmm. power move. Yeah, she's like, what? And then they start talking about their kind of tension. And and Mary kind of swoops in to moderate this discussion. Well, at one point uh <laughs> Whitney's like, never mind, and then and then Lisa starts talking to Mary goes, well, I, I, I want to hear, I want to hear what, what happened, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to know. I want to know. Please, Please. I want to know. Go ahead. And then it all culminates with Lisa going, I don't judge you. I don't care enough to judge you. And Mary goes, oh, oh my goodness. Mary goes, oh my, oh my goodness. She goes, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. 
And <laughs> everyone's like, looks appalled by that. And then Heather makes this a very funny face. Like she just kind of just like goes like, ugh. And she goes, well, and she goes, well, that's not a nice thing to say. That's not coming from kindness. That's not coming from kindness, Lisa. And then Heather takes this opportunity to go in on Lisa mm-hmm. about their own drama. And so they basically Heather knew that Lisa was talking shit about her. And then Lisa texted her to be like, did you talk to yeah. so-and-so? Well, Lisa obviously knew that Jen told Heather that Lisa was shit-talking her. So b- the night before the party... Saying, I love the shit-talking is that you might have flashed someone. Yeah, well, that's... It's a huge in the you don't you can't even graduate from college if you've ever flashed a single soul. Yeah, so Jen the the night before Jen's party, Lisa texted (laughs) Heather and just bluntly went, "Hey, did you talk to Jen?" And Heather goes, "Yeah, I did." And then Lisa goes, "Okay, cool. See you at the party tomorrow." And she sent her a thumbs up back, and Lisa was very put off by the thumbs up. Yeah, so they Lisa were like, considers a thumbs up to be the equivalent of a f- saying "fuck you," which I kind of get because I think liking someone's text is totally fine and measured. But if you send someone a thumbs up, that's chilling. It's passive aggressive. Yeah, borderline mm. on simply aggressive. It's like, mm. Mm. and I just love that Lisa texted her, went out of her way to text her, someone to confirm with them that they knew that they were talking about them. Yeah. Lisa talked shit about Heather. Then was like, you know that I talk shit about you, right? And then Heather's like, yeah. And then she's like, cool. See you tomorrow. Then Heather sends a thumbs up text. And then Lisa's actually like, wait, fuck you for that. <laughs> Lisa, also, goes, also, Lisa goes, don't diminish the thumbs up text. Don't diminish it. Also, um, I love that Lisa is like, has been saying that she doesn't know Heather and she's like never really talked to her or met her, but she has her number and they text. Yeah. So she's fu- fully full. And then Heather's she's like, a why? Liar. she's like, why would you say that you don't know me when we literally knew each other? And you said I was also like, like a floozy in college. <laughs> and you said I flashed people. And Lisa's like, she goes, I wouldn't have been able to graduate Brigham Young University if I showed people my tits. And then Lisa goes, well, that's why it was funny that you did it. And it's like, no, that didn't happen. So it's clear that Lisa's a liar. Yeah, she's a take accountability for nothing ass bitch. She's like the kind of person that you are like, hey, what you said about me really was hurtful. And I need you to know that. And then she would be like, well, actually, maybe you need to look at why you're so hurt by it, because I didn't mean anything hurtful by it. Mm. So that's on you. Yeah. Like, truly will turn try and turn it around on you when you're just like, no, actually. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see more of that behavior because that makes for good yeah. drama. No, I'm excited. So it ends on a very tense note. Um, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I want to hear, Mary, what, what, did you, uh, what did you mean by that? I want to hear that. Were you? And then what did you mean when Mary, you said that to her? I just like, Mary's <laughs> like, I don't know what. She's somewhere else. Mary, occasionally she switched she's like, into... James Lipton inside the actor's <laughs> studio mode. Yeah, she's just she, like, I want to know what you... Uh, what, and then, tell, when you said that... Tell me about... Well, where's that coming yeah, from? He's tell like, me about that. Tell me about Boogie Nights. And then the whole audience <laughs> applauds, and Julianne Moore just kind of looks out. Nods. It's like that. Yeah. Same vibe. Oh, tell me about... Uh, oh, my goodness. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it was yeah, very Dale. Like it, oh my goodness. It was extreme Dale. Oh my goodness. Mary's kind of a shapeshifter. She's one to watch. Honestly, <laughs> she's a get cameras on her at all times. She is a rising star. Let me tell you. So far, she's the reason to watch. Mm-hmm. She's who I'm tuning in for. Brooks is who I'm tuning in for. Meredith and Seth's relationship. Tuning in for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa de- denying any sort of responsibility for anything she does Damn, we also had a, last night really quick we had a, a full discussion about which of these women we think believe in dinosaurs that dinosaurs existed <laughs> okay we, yeah because i was like we started I talking about like reeling we started talking about like hardcore religious people like merit like pentecostal bible thumpers evangelicals who and possibly mormons who don't think like science like they only believe the world is like five thousand years old and they don't mm-hmm. think they don't believe that dinosaurs existed because Laura, well, you brought up, you were like someone recent, they've recently discovered like basically like intact t- Tyrannosaurus Rex with like skin still on it. There was a Tyrannosaurus Rex that, and a Triceratops that got in a fight and then they were preserved in and found recently in Montana and have just been bought by a museum in North Carolina. And it's going to be so exciting for scientists to like look at them because some of their skin is still preserved. So they can just like learn so much about their biology that they've never been able to learn before. And I, anytime I read about that kind of stuff, I just think to myself, wow, there are thousands, if not millions of people that don't even believe in time. So <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're they're like time. I do not believe it in that myth <laughs> of like they think that the Earth is six thousand years old. Like creationists essentially believe the Earth is only a few thousand years old, and the anything beyond that, I guess, is false. Yeah, and like, I don't so know we were... what, or they think that it happened within that six thousand year period. Yeah, I don't. So they think so. We were trying to decide like which of these women believes in dinosaurs <laughs> mary is off the table she totally doesn't she is fully in the bible i think mm-hmm. um, yeah i think mary does not believe in dinosaurs heather and whitney because they're excommunicated they're sort of or like lapsed mormon they're sort of like on the fringe but i think they were innately don't believe that they exist so like they might be open to the idea that they're that they're real, but deep down they know in their gut that dinosaurs are not real. You think Mary or you think Heather and Whitney yeah. think that they're not real? Like secretly. Yeah. I they have doubts. They have da- let's just say they have doubts. The, we'll just say they have doubts. They don't go they, full. They've they now like come full, out. Yeah. They've come out on the side of being like, sure, dinosaurs, yes, like I sign off on them. But deep down inside, they still There's not, a prick of- not so sure. Um, Lisa, because she's a recent, kind of a recent convert, like she probably grew up thinking they were real, but now that she's like trying to strive for Mormon perfectionism and is like very hardcore and like judges other people and is really trying to like be the best Mormon, I can see her pretending to not believe. 
she's denied. She's now in a state of denial mm-hmm. where she knows that they're real, but like she has to deny it for mm-hmm. her religious beliefs. And yeah. she's going to try and brainwash herself into believing that they don't exist. Meredith, of course. Yeah. Meredith, she knows all about dinosaurs and is like, there's no questions in my mind. Brooks doesn't believe in dinosaurs. No. Um, Brooks thinks anyone over the age of 25 is a dinosaur. Yeah, dis- He's like, dinosaurs? Disgusting. Old. Disgusting. Old people. Gross. MySpace users. Friendster. Friendster. Live journal. Oh, bring me back. Zanga. <laughs> um, and then Jen doesn't know about dinosaurs. Yeah, Jen's was- like, what are they? Yeah. I mean, Jen thought... <laughs> You can get AIDS. Not in my universe. Jen just thinks that you can become a dinosaur if you don't maintain your appearance at all costs. (laughs) (laughs) You will transform. She's not wrong. That's true. (laughs) Okay, wait. Young Earth creationism, they are the ones that believe the age of the universe is less than 10,000 years old. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Guys. Listen, teach their own, but that is with it's, that. Yeah, that it's is the not, young Earth. To that, I say no. Mm-hmm. Young Earth theory. Yeah, the, I'm a young Earth creationist, which they believe the Earth is yet less than a th- ten thousand years old and was reshaped by the global flood. <laughs> young Earth, and don't they give believe Earth that, that much the, credit. Earth is not the age of the I just Earth said universe. Earth. Is <laughs> don't give the Earth. Don't. Don't do the youth like that. I'm so young. I'm like the youngest person here. We're literally so fucking young, guys. Yeah. Youth. Don't young. I don't. I do not subscribe to young youth. Young youth. <laughs> a place of youth. I love. That's I come a from a place really... of youth. Young, mm-hmm. and that's. Oh my god, place of youth is young earth. So it's like young the... earth put together. Yeah. So a we, place of year. <laughs> I've been dying to go to the Creation Museum, which was in Kentucky. And oh. that is where they that's a whole museum just dedicated to young earth. Is that the one that's what's that the giant ark? No, that's a different museum that is like the literal recreation of I Noah's wanna, Ark. I wanna go to that shit. I wanna go to that shit too. Because I want to see how they packed every single species into that place and how they made it work. You believe in Noah's Ark? Show me. Okay. I mean, I grew up with all this shit. Yeah. So, like, I want to see, I want to see how they, like, reconcile everything. Well, they did. This is weird. They did find, I, I used to have this book about, like, mysteries of the world when I was a kid. And they had... They found, I think, on Mount Ararat in Turkey or Armenia, mm-hmm. like on the border, they found the outline of a ship apparently on the side of the, when that's where Noah was supposed to have landed. Yeah, and like I think that there probably is some truth to those tales, but I think much like the Greek gods and goddesses or like Roman gods and goddesses, it's more of like an explanation. Yeah, for like I mean, the maybe there was just like a in flood a- in this area. Yeah, and like a way to reconcile that and with and bring meaning out of it for like larger questions of life. I don't think that a flood overtook the entire globe and the only person that survived was a man in his ark. 
your with every species of animal insect like you're not like no you're sorry Earth. Yeah, so the young Earth creationist believes this, this creation museum believes the Earth is approximately 6,000 years old. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm dying to go. The Earth, 6,000 years ago, people, I hope COVID people had did like, not... people had like wheels 6,000 years ago. Yeah. People were like fully like riding around in cars 6,000 years ago. <laughs> Truly, people like, they were advanced 6,000 years ago. Yeah, like, weren't the Egyptians, like, 6,000 years Yeah, they, the Egyptians had, like, full, like, cars. Like, they were, like, <laughs> the Egyptians were, like, flying. <laughs> like, people are so stupid. I'm dying. Yerth. Yerth. Any, if there's any young Earth believers out there, make yourself known we, and let I us know. <laughs> the young any, earth component of any the podcast listeners sorry if we're offending you yeah, but sorry. like let us in on what you know well and we'll try to hear you out but i i would love the yerther contingent of the sup readers to make yourself known i need to i really need covid to end so i can go straight to the young earth to the creationist museum and the fucking ark. Those are with two Tony. huge. Yeah. With Tony and teach him about some things that some people believe. You would have been on the, you would have had the pugs on the ark. Honestly, I think pugs are like 6,000 years old. Actually, I don't know how good our time is. Like what was, I'm thinking in like hundreds of years, but 6,000, maybe the earth is 6,000 years old. Laura. I'm joking. I'm joke. I keyed. I keyed. I think 6,000 years ago. Oh, like Sumer, Mesopotamia. Okay. So they really just believe that God created everything in six days. And then suddenly we were in Mesopotamia. 6,000 years ago. The Tigris and Euphrates. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Sumer. Sumer. Fucking classic. Gilgamesh. That was like the age of Gilgamesh. (laughs) Totally. Um, They're obsessed with Gilgamesh. Wow. Anyway. So we have a lot to learn. Look forward to... Hopefully this will be a good season. The episode was a little bit of a slump, but you know what? We'll take it because it's fresh. Because next week we get to go to Mary's church, I think. Yeah. And that will be an eye-opening. An eye-opening moment. Anyway, I hope everyone has a, has a good Thanksgiving week. Please be safe. Be safe. Eat some. Eat a lot of food. Wear the a best. Mask. The only thing that Thanksgiving's really good for is eating. So just do that, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um. And follow Carrie at eCarrieO. Follow Lars follow at LarsMarie.com. <laughs> <laughs> at LarsMarie. And you can get bonus episodes at patreon.com slash sexy podcast and with that i bid you all farewell farewell